You said you'd come. Now let's hope you're not too late. Welcome to the Suicide Squadcast. This is a DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. That's right. We're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and the small screens, and we want to make sure we talk all about it. So thanks for joining us tonight. Let's get started. My name is Scott. And I am Tim, and we are the Suicide Squadcast. Scott, happy second anniversary of Batman v Superman. I know. Um, I you know We're recording technically the day before the second anniversary, which means this will drop on the actual anniversary, except for I did see it on the yes, 24th. I did. I did too. <laughs> <laughs> so it's fine. Yeah. Um. I. I, I mean, still, uh, my favorite DCEU movie. Uh. Still, my favorite movie of 2016. Um. Uh, I. It is. It's right up there. I remember my top three of that year were BVS, La La Land, and The Nice Guys. So it's and and I still want to say I need to go back and do another rewatch of Watchmen. But I really feel like between Watchmen and BVS, I, I'm. It's the fight for like my favorite comic book movie of all time. Yeah. Those both. Yeah, I always kind of forget about Watchmen just because it was it, it was just kind of like preceded all this DCEU by you know what is it a few years I think before it came out uh, about two thousand eight two thousand eight two thousand nine yeah was Watchmen so man I tell you, I love both of those films especially like you know when you get to see like the Ultimate Edition or what is it the is Watchmen the Ultimate Cut the Ultimate Cut is the one that is you know th- almost you know three and a half hours it has all the black Black Freighter sequences edited back into the movie. It it is if you want to talk about a movie that is an adaptation of a book, it is one of the most faithful just adaptations I have ever seen. Like I could sit there with the Watchmen graphic novel in my lap and just oh yeah, absolutely. follow along. Yeah, and I would actually even say, and I don't know how common this opinion is, but I think what Zach did with that film is he actually improved the ending and actually made it make more sense. And what Alan Moore did. I, I agree. I've 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 agreed with you. I, I like his ending better than the squid. I there's a couple other changes he makes. Like I forget about like the scene with the comedian and Sally. Like how he may in the hooded justice, how he makes some changes from what's in the book. Uh, you know, it goes from being an actual an like the, the assault actually happening to the you know, the assault kind of being stopped, and then you know, the shaming doesn't happen. Like he makes some very subtle changes that makes it uh quote better than you know what you the 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 very sort of gut-wrenching material you would get in the graphic novel so but um (laughs) if for maybe some of our new listeners who maybe didn't you know maybe found this a little bit later i just wanted to kind of make a little psa to say if you're interested in hearing our thoughts on batman v superman on the two-year anniversary uh you can listen to our theatrical review on episode 33 which is us uh the next day uh, I'd seen it once, you'd seen it twice. And then on episode 49, you can catch our review of the Ultimate Edition yeah. after uh, it came out. So you can, uh, so episode 33 and episode 49, if you want to have a little blast in the past and listen to our review of, of both versions of Batman v Superman. Yeah, and like episode 49 is the one where I realized that I will never watch the theatrical version of Batman v Superman again. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it was just such a, it was such a big improvement over the 
the theatrical release. It, it's it, it was it was one of those things where it was like frustrating because like I feel like if that it was the movie that had been put out that you know some of the criticisms would have been like nip right off the top. You know, and and I say it in that episode. It's like there were criticisms of the theatrical version that I didn't understand until I saw the ultimate edition, and I went, "Oh, that's what they're talking about." Like yeah. <laughs> like it never occurred to me that there was an issue until I saw the ultimate edition. I went, "Oh, I get what you're talking about now." <laughs> Okay. Yeah. 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 I agree with you now. Yep. You know, so it was, it was weird, but you know, there you go. If you want to, if you want to have a blast in the past, thirty three and forty nine, check them out. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to uh, on Sunday all the different images being thrown around on Twitter just about the film. You know, there's no. Oh, it's already started today. The fan base. Yeah, I've already seen it today as well. Oh, so that was that's fun. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it again sometime here soon. Um, I'm I'm about ready to watch it with my daughter because I've really? just been, yeah I've been kind of like I've been kind of like working some of the films in to see if like if she's quite ready you know because she's she's coming up on nine years old and so I'm like well you know I'll start off with this and we we, we got all the way through Man of Steel and I didn't have to cut anything out uh, and then you know we've seen Wonder Woman and so I'm like well I'm, I'm about ready to show this part to her but I, I know the one part I won't show to her is the part in the beginning where at the at the Wayne Tower where the building collapses and the little girl's looking up and you know she's saying you know, that's where her mother is uh, I'm not going to show her that part because I know I know how she'll react to that. I see you're shielding them from the world. I am. see how I am. it is. That's yeah, so what a good father does. Um, mm, well, we'll see. <laughs> Let's. Well, I have a little <laughs> girl. You have two little boys. I, I, I'm going to be a little different with my daughter. Very protective. Let's move on and talk about our network. Guys, we are part of the Suicide Squadcast network and that means we have our show and then a couple other shows that we want to talk about. So the first show I want to talk about is DC Comics Squadcast and that's with Chris and Jordan. And of course they're talking about all the goodness of DC Comics uh, every week and and so they're just finishing up their uh, review of Metal. And so uh, check those guys out. They put on a great show every week. Uh, the other shows that we have, Fans Without Borders and DC TV Squadcast. And that's with Brent and Ray. I have to ask you this, Scott. Are you are you done? Are you done giving those guys crap on Fans Without Borders about recording, having to record early? I'm never done giving them crap. <laughs> I mean, that's that's one of my goals in life is to just give them crap. Well, it's, I know. And I, I, I saw you call them out on Twitter. Basically, It was fun. It was fun for you, but they had to record early because poor Ray is getting his wisdom teeth yanked out. He got him yanked out he, this morning. I know, and he's 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 on drugs right now. He's on drugs watch, right now. It's really fun watching Ray tweet on drugs. That is <laughs> that is fun. Hey, I got to tell you something. Ray went through the same thing I went through when I had my wisdom teeth taken out. I, this is a, I, I got to tell the story. I was 24 at the time, and so I was just starting my job. I was commuting an hour. I had my dentist in the area where I work. I had nothing back where I lived because it's like, well, that's where I was during a day. And so I was starting to have problems with my wisdom teeth. And so I went to the dentist locally close to where I work. And he says, look, you have to have all these things yanked out. I'm like, okay, well, it's time to get them out, you know. So I decided, well, I'll schedule it so that I can work all day, then run to the dentist, you know, at the end of the workday, go get my teeth yanked out and just drive home. Okay. Sounded like a good plan at the time. So go there, go to the dentist. And the plan was not to like gas me out. So like I was basically just going to do local and just numbing of the gums and all that so they can rip the wisdom teeth out. So not a big deal. So as I was in the chair getting ready, the dentist comes over and he's showing some young like intern or something. He's basically teaching about how you go ahead and numb somebody up. I'm like, okay, that's fine, you know. So he's he's going to numb up my teeth. He numbs the first tooth and then he's kind of like kind of as he's as he's doing it, he's talking and he's stopping to talk and showing her like, you know, this is what you do with the needle. This is how you want to angle it in, this and that. So as he's as he goes on to the next tooth, he's explaining some more and then he does like the third tooth and then he's like, okay, all done. And then uh, he walks off and I and I remember sitting there thinking to myself, I don't think he got the fourth 
tooth. <laughs> so so I'm just like, okay, well, I'll mention something to him like when he gets back. Well, it was he was gone like 10, 15 minutes, whatever it was. And then he comes back and and uh, he just immediately just jumps right in there and starts yanking my teeth out. <laughs> so he grabs the first tooth and gets that one out and it came out pretty easily. And then he went and grabbed the next tooth, which I was unsure of whether he had numbed it or not. Like it, it was feeling a little bit numb, but it was just residual from the other tooth. And he grabbed onto that thing with some pliers and went to go, you know, just twist on it really hard because that's what he was doing to get the thing out. And it hurt so bad. I'd never felt pain like that in my entire life. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, and, and I just let him, hey, I don't think you numbed it. And he goes, oh, I didn't. <laughs> like, no, I don't okay, think you I'm did. waiting for the next, I'm waiting for the next iTunes review that's like, him just complains <laughs> about, st- right, you take a story about Ray and turn to yourself. I see how this is. No, mm-hmm. I'm telling a funny, this is, no, there's a, this is a funny story. I'm going to go on. So finally he numbs it and he ends up <laughs> getting the rest of the teeth out. So like, I've got all four teeth out at this point. And so he just loads up the back of your teeth, like where he yanked out the wisdom teeth. He loads it up with gauze. And so then he's like, okay, we'll just go home and, you know, go get some painkillers at the pharmacy, you know, on the way home. So I go there and I've got all this gauze in my mouth. And if you ever had wisdom teeth taken out, you, you, you just feel like, you know, just, just all this blood's just running in your mouth. And so I figure I'll go to the pharmacy real quick, get the stuff, get back in the car and get on my way home. Well, I go to the pharmacy and the pharmacist is having all kinds of problems with their computers. And so I'm like waiting in line and waiting in line. And it's like taking, it's like a half hour. I was sitting there waiting just so that they can manually get all the stuff put in and I can get the painkillers. And I'm sitting there and this guy in front of me is starting to get really frustrated. And he's just like, you know, sitting there talking to himself. And then he's like turning around talking to people and he turns to me and says something. And like, he says something to me and like, I don't even remember what he asked, but it was like basically like asking a question. And I just kind of like nodded my head because my whole mouth was filled with blood. I had my mouth closed up <laughs> because like I, I couldn't, I didn't have anywhere to like get rid of it. And so finally, like he just kept bugging me and wanted me to answer some kind of question. And finally, I just started <laughs> talking to him. You know, I tried to tell him like, I can't talk right now. And as soon as I opened my mouth, all the blood came running down my mouth. <laughs> this guy had been sitting there talking to me all this time. And this look on this guy's face was just like, you know, like, what in the hell is wrong? You know, like he didn't know what was going on. <laughs> so anyway, that's kind of like my story. Okay, five minutes later, and now we're back to DC News. Okay. Oh, come on. It's a, it's a funny story. I just, to this day. No, I, it's not. What are you doing? <laughs> you didn't like the story? No, I did not like the story. Someone should have stitched, somebody should have put stitches in like my, like my <laughs> surgeon did when I had my wisdom teeth taken out. They don't do all that. All I'm hearing is, all I'm hearing is gross malpractice is what I'm hearing in this story. <laughs> oh, it was just, it was still funny. I, I just, to this day, I just wonder what in the heck that guy must have been you thinking. You have a sick sense of humor. <laughs> oh boy. And um, so please don't leave us a review based on that story. Oh, stop but yourself. I'm not going to stop myself. Uh, you should stop yourself. <laughs> But once again, we ha- we'd love it if you'd spread the word. Don't forget about a contest. Uh, if you if you decide to do something really creative to kind of help promote us at other places across the internet, you no, know, be sure to email us or tag us at suicidesquadcast at gmail.com to let us know. We will be doing a giveaway for a DC trade paperback uh, up up to twenty dollars. Now we're being a little bit more generous because this takes just a little bit more effort to do. So please let us know. And as always, if you you know want to help support you know Tim's dinner stories. <laughs> or not, you, know, you can always help us by going to Patreon at www.patreon.com slash squadcastmedia where you can hear exclusive content starting at the $5 level, and we'd appreciate that. Um, Tim, myself, and Ray just dropped our movie Squadcast review of Superman the Movie from 1978. A good time was had by all, and I, it was a really, I really enjoyed going back and listening to that review when you posted it. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And uh, our next film that we're going to be reviewing is Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. 
Ooh, looking forward to seeing it. I hope to be on that one. <laughs> it's on the wrong track for you. <laughs> oh, shut up. I want to give, I want to finally do a modern movie. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, okay. Let's get on the news, especially since we postponed recording for a whole day for WonderCon news. Yes. And then nothing happened, <laughs> basically. Well, I mean, it was the effort, right? It was, it was the, the thought that counts, right? Exactly. Unlike, unlike Fans Without Borders, who just didn't even worry about WonderCon at all. So Okay. Well, just you go ahead and keep <laughs> ripping on our fellows in the network. Ah, well, they, if they can't take it, they dish it out. <laughs> so starting off, um, I'm sure everyone's seen this, but Justice League has finally exited theaters. It's ended its theatrical run, uh, you know, basically you know, saying that worldwide, domestically and worldwide, it is the lowest grossing DCEU entry so far, uh, coming in worldwide about 10 million less uh, than Man of Steel, which had been the previous lowest entry in the franchise. Yeah. So yeah, definitely a disappointment. I mean, we don't need to keep burying that one. But uh, yeah. But yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. I always like forget how long these runs go. You know, the fact that it's actually was still out <laughs> just this past week. Yeah. I mean, it had already left the main theater in my town. It, like it had been like the dollar, like the second run dollar theater in my town for for a month or so. Yeah. Now. So. But yeah. So uh, final number ended up being six hundred fifty seven point nine million domestically. I'm not domestically. I'm sorry. Worldwide. Worldwide. Yeah. Um, now we talked about the theatrical run of Just League. Now we've actually got some numbers on what the DVD and Blu-ray sales are approximately at. And so the numbers that we're getting on that is Justice League is do, is doing really well. And it's around 653,000 Blu-rays have been sold and then 231,000 DVDs. So these are approximate numbers at this point. And so I don't really know historically how that really compares because, I mean, so many people are just shifting over to, you know, pure digital. Uh, I can tell you that if you just go by the numbers, uh, while it is the number one selling Blu-ray DVD for the week, it is actually lower than Man of Steel's week one numbers. Okay. So it both in dollar, once again, they're only tracking like the physical sales, but dollar wise and unit wise, it is, it sold less in its first week than Man of Steel. Mm -hmm. I I don't think those are uh, really fair comparisons you can do anymore. Exactly. I agree because with Man of Steel, the digital market wasn't the way it was back in 2013 digital market versus 2018. Those are not apples, apples to apples. No, those are apples dramatically to different. Just, dramatically yes. different. Yeah. So I, I agree with that. You know, there, it's one of those things where it's like people can twist the story to be whichever way they want it to be. But unfortunately, I just don't think we have a really accurate gauge, you know, to to compare it with because this franchise has stretched for over a five year period at this point, and the market looks entirely different right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the only thing you could really take away from this is that well, it's a positive sign that the sales are doing well for the home release because I, and I'm, I'm one of these guys that maintains that if you know for for us that would love to see the director's cut at some point get finished up and then released you know to me it's like I don't think it's ever going to happen if the sales were really poor for the home release like I think the best chance to ever see that cut is for there to be a strong interest in you know digital sales and blu-ray and DVD sales uh, for home release like because that's that's where you're going to get your money from you know with a director's cut version of Justice League uh, I just you know in the end I mean we've already said what we had to say about what 
what we thought of the film and the, dis- the disappointments we've had. If we can just show, or if it's shown that this is a, uh, there is interest in Justice League, uh, if we can get more sales with even the theatrical cut as it is, I, I think that kind of pushes it in the favor a little bit to get that director's cut. Okay. Um, interesting. Uh, Dave Pena, uh, film junkie on Twitter. Uh, he's also on Vero as David Pena. Pena, how do you pronounce that? Pena. Pena. Okay, I was saying it right. Good. Uh, he he had been doing some talk about, and I've been following this on Twitter, him questioning the, the design that appears in the ground after Steppenwolf smashes his axe uh, during the history lesson. And he's trying, he was trying to figure out if there was a... A, a designer symbol intended and he actually uh, tagged Zack Snyder on Vero with this question to which Zack Snyder actually replied in the comment section and said do the math. Yeah so I mean what David had actually said is you know he slams his axe into the ground causing it to crack with fire. At first it seems like nothing right here it looks like a design or a symbol. Am I right Zack Snyder? And that's where Zack was basically implying uh, I think the way everyone's interpreting is implying the anti-life equation. Well I mean of course. I mean yeah. it's just you know <laughs> you've got a dark side Right. What else does it does it have to mean? Yeah, I mean, it looks very designed. You know what was happening uh, once he had struck his axe down into the ground. So it, it's such a good observation to finally, um, you know, get an answer from Zach on that. Yeah. So once again, I I truly do believe that in the original version of Justice League, that history lesson was significantly longer. Yeah. I and, think so. Yeah. I also, and here's something that I've always wondered. I also always suspected that it was actually like the opening of the film. I have no, I have no basis for that or or evidence that is pure speculation on my part but i always felt like that history lesson seemed like a nice kind of like cold like pre-credit cold open or something i don't know yeah i think it would have fit well there anyway yeah whether that's where it went or not yep uh, well do you want to tell us you want to follow up with some more vero fun that was happening in the past week yeah uh so josh costella had posted something on vero as well and he had posted the scene of superman's death from batman v superman and he said that he had never noticed this before that there were three crosses in the background and you can barely see the third one but there there are actually like three crosses uh, of debris in the background uh, from that death scene and so somehow Zach had actually seen this thing because he didn't I don't think he tagged him in it but he did not tag him in it yeah but Zach had responded and he said that's a reference to Justice League 2 and then somebody had responded after that and said wait you just dropped a huge bomb on us and <laughs> Zach uh, came back with a second response and he said hashtag until it wasn't. <laughs> uh, and then it started like a lot of fun on Twitter where people were just saying like so-and-so was this until it wasn't or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's incredible to think that, you know, they were they were planting the seeds like two movies in advance Yeah, for stuff like that. So it would have been interesting to know what that was. And that's pretty much all I can say about that at this point because that unfortunately is not going to be going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing uh, we have to kind of remember. We, we talk about, well, if we talk about like say a director's cut for Justice League. We have to remember that even before Justice League was even filmed by Zack Snyder, the whole vision about where the story was going to go was truncated. So that's something we'll never see. Yeah. Uh, Kind of along with kind of another story and I'm just going to jump to it right now that apparently Michael Wilkinson even said that the original plan for when Superman came back was he was going to be wearing the black suit. Because there have been a lot of questions about concept art that had been seen that showed Superman in the black suit and uh, Wilkinson was 
was speaking at the DC exhibition in London, and he said, quote, The black suit is something that has fascinated us as filmmakers from the get-go. We saw a glimpse of it in the nightmare sequence from Man of Steel, and you know when they were prepping Justice League, it first seemed like it would be the logical choice for the look of Superman when he was resurrected. Zack is extremely respectful and passionate about the depiction of Superman comics and graphic novels, and traditionally when he's resurrected, he's in the black suit. But as the tone of the film developed and we were in pre-production, the filmmakers felt the classic red and blue suit seemed more appropriate to our story and our script. It seemed that a more positive, upbeat image of Superman was what was needed. The idea of hope and that the world could, in fact, be saved was important, so that's the direction that we went. So, once again, you know, even, you know, some of those things that we heard being talked about, you know, the backlash and all that, you know, at least that was something that happened in pre-production, and it wasn't, you know, a change that was being made during photography or afterwards, so. Yeah, yeah, and and I think even at the time, we had kind of predicted that we didn't think it was necessarily going to make an appearance in Justice League. Uh, we thought there'd be maybe a nod to it, and it seems like that's kind of eventually where they went anyway with it. Well, the deleted scene from the Blu-ray, you know, they they wanted to keep it in there. They designed it. They obviously then went ahead and made it. Yeah. And so it just basically, they allowed it to be a cameo, and then even that got cut, so. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of cutting, Henry Cavill posted a hilarious video of himself on Instagram. Oh, that was so... <laughs> this oh, was good. my... That was so good. I did have a Lance Morissette playing through my head all day <laughs> after seeing this video. Alanis Morissette? That's strange. Because I, I had I had Sarah McLaughlin. Sarah McLaughlin, <laughs> okay. yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. All those 90s, like, really sad songwriters, you know, I even was talking to Dave from DC on Screen and was remembering Jewel. So there's a lot of 90s going on in my head right now. <laughs> Jewel. That's a, that's a, that's an artist's name I haven't heard in quite a while. Uh, well, she was on the Batman and Robin soundtrack, which, yeah. which we were talking about with uh, Andy at Holy Batcast. Yeah. So. Oh, I mean, this thing was great. It, it's uh, Henry Cavill posted a video of him in this white robe with uh, just a little towel on his head. I mean, he had his hair wrapped up in a towel. <laughs> hair I mean, wrapped it was, in a towel. And he, he had like a little drink too. Like he was, he was, it was like he was having a spa day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then he's like, uh, turns at a camera and he says, I realize it's hard to recognize me without King Stash. <laughs> no, wait, I am Henry Cavill. I know it's hard to recognize me. I mean, he, the man is a PR genius. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, was, I mean, he, do, he does really well that because I mean, he, he like, he's such a charming person in kind of real life and he just hasn't he hasn't really had the chance to like really show that off yet in you know a lot of his films and all that and it's and it's amazing like how well you can do the stuff kind of like behind the scenes uh but you know it takes a little crack at the whole cgi thing he says you know it's it's hard for me to admit admit uh, this is not cgi when he shows his bare you know his bare chin oh well and then he also like throws in and then he does like a like a in memoriam <laughs> yes. for the for the for the mustache and there's even a, a one of his scenes where he's like holding Batman up in the Heroes Park scene and it's the one of those really bad CGI shots. Yeah, yeah. It and was. Um, it was just, he snuck <laughs> that in there. Yeah, it was kind of funny. Like when I first saw that pop in, I'm like, oh, is this somebody, did somebody like take the video and just throw that in there? And But I actually had to go back to like the Instagram one and just make sure like, oh yeah, Henry Cavill actually put that in there. Oh God, it was so funny. And I love how it ended at the end with shaved but not forgotten. Yep. <laughs> and it was really funny too because then the official Mission Impossible tweet Twitter handle. Oh, they had fun with that all day. Oh, I didn't see like, that. What they, they do? Oh, uh, like they were res- uh, like people who were like on Twitter sharing the video and commenting like Nerdist and Total Film and all this stuff. They were then responding with that picture of him walking away from Angela Bassett and they just had different responses. They even had like a like a uh, a I forget what it was called. It was like National Poetry Day. Okay. Uh, it was acrostic. They even did an acrostic, acrostic poem okay. with the word mustache and and, um, and just they 
they went all in on Mission Impossible, making fun of you know R.I.P. King Stash. It was it was like a whole marketing thing all day, and it was brilliant. I thought <laughs> I I was laughing, and I'm just like Henry, I love you. Don't go away. Stay with us. Where did the King Stash thing come from? Did Henry create that? I don't I don't know. I mean, he called it King Stash in the video. He did, but I've but, heard it before that. Uh, so. but the, oh, the mustache has been around for so long at this point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know, but that was that was hilarious. I well played, Henry Cavill. Well played. Yeah, of course he had to shave it for his cameo in Shazam. <laughs> of course oh, that's don't, the don't that's tease, the hopeful rumor out there. <laughs> hey, I'm ho- I'm hoping for that rumor too. I'm like, but don't report it like it's news, Tim. No, don't, I don't yeah, be. Of course, I think be better. I don't think there's anybody on our listening to our show uh, thought I was reporting news. You you never know. <laughs> to be careful out there on the internet. <laughs> that is true. That is true, kids. A couple other little things. Uh, there was a little eight second video that was released online from uh, presumably a visual effects uh, person by the name Varel Swirl. Uh, I don't know if this person actually released it or not. It was one of these things that was kind of like posted on Vimeo, attributed to uh, somebody from the visual effects team, but I don't know for sure that that's exactly how it went down. But it, what was interesting about it is it was presumably after the whole Steppenwolf scene, it showed Superman landing next to Batman. And then there's no sound with it, but it, it kind of sounded like Superman was saying, well, it's done and asking Batman, who was that guy? So which kind of makes sense because the way the story played out in Justice League, Superman really had none of the backstory with Steppenwolf when he showed up. No, no, not at all. So, and it was obvious that it was part of the, you know, they even have little comments about how they're removing the CGI and it actually looks like it's not even finished. Like, it, no matter whether you did or did not have criticism with the CGI rem- mustache removal in the film, like, this was even worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the other thing about it, too, is like, I'm not even entirely sure that, that those two actors were in the same scene together at that time. Like, well, it, that Batman doesn't even look like Ben Affleck. I don't even think that's Affleck in the costume. Mm, I think that's him. I think it's him. I see. I, I, I'm not convinced. I'm going to be honest with you. So yeah. So anyway, but it, uh, what's kind of interesting is it, it does appear it was a Whedon scene, and even that was cut out. <laughs> so, uh, so we'll be having like you know release the the Whedon cut hashtag. I'm sure. No, no, we will. <laughs> no, we will. No, we will not. Okay. And then of course on on Vero, Zack Snyder dropped some more photos. This time it was that same picture we'd already seen of Mira of her on shore, which yeah. makes me wonder if there was supposed to be a a, a Mira and Arthur scene on land. Yeah. So well, maybe we'll know one day. Yep. There was another scene that was dropped, and actually not a scene, but just an image from the cemetery scene where Cyborg and Flash are digging up Superman's casket. And in the background, you actually see the van that they actually load the casket into. But leaning up against the van is actually Arthur. Yeah. So just, uh, and we already know that Arthur was there with Diana uh, also in that scene, which was all cut out. Uh, so it's just kind of funny how all these things are just showing up on the internet. Yeah. And apparently there was like a Chinese social media site where like just tons of images yeah. of, of cut stuff was just dropped. I mean, yeah, there was the there was like the real corn scene, the real farm scene. There was Alfred and Bruce in the Batcave where he was like Carolus in his Batman outfit. It was just... There was a scene of that. Uh, it looks like that little diner that actually... Oh, this is interesting. I'm looking at the image right now because I have it in our notes. The image of the diner where where Ezra, I think, walks out. But it's showing the scene as raining. But it, what's kind of funny is if you zoom in on it, there's actually Zach, I think, in one of the windows. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know where... I don't know where these... You know, like I said, they were posted on this Chinese website, but I just I have no idea where they're coming from. It's just like, stuff is just coming out all over the place. It's weird. But what's kind of cool about it is one of these images, you actually see the outside uh, view of Cyborg's apartment. Yes, you do. Well, there's another 
another one that you see like family photos of the stones. Yeah, family photos, and yeah, you get a good view of his like uh, uh, the desk with his computer and all the books on a shelf and all that. So I always love these back these images uh, when you get to see the stuff because I mean the set designers and all that do so much that you never really get an appreciation appreciation for in any film, and it, it's just always I always find it so interesting when you look at the details and how much detail they go into uh, with a set design. All right, so now that we got some of the Justice League talk out of the way, let's talk about the one of the next two films that's coming out. I know, which is really funny to think that Aquaman is the next movie, but yet we're getting all kinds of Shazam stuff. Yeah, well, I do want to talk about this for, before we get into the Shazam stuff, because the 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 hype that's kind of building up about Shazam is really reminiscent uh, to me about like how it was with Suicide Squad. Yes, yes. And I think, uh, and I've talked about this before, in fact, I talked about it in our very first episode we ever recorded. The Lost episode, or like our actual episode one? The actual really- one that we released. Okay. Because I, I had a theory at the time that, you know, because we were seeing all these like street images of Batman on top of the vehicle and like there's, and they didn't do anything on the set to stop people from filming us. And they were just letting all that stuff get out on the internet. And, you know, it was right around a time, like all that stuff was really building up hype about the film. And I kind of feel like they're letting that same thing happen here because like there's been lots of set images and it may not be like the ideal presentation of these characters that, you know, the studio or the filmmakers would like to have, you know, in terms of a first impression. But I tell you what, there's a whole hell of a lot more hype about Shazam right now than for Aquaman. And it's not saying that people aren't excited about Aquaman. It's just the fact is, is like Shazam is definitely not a character that's on the mainstream's radar right now. The same with Suicide Squad wasn't on the mainstream radar. It wasn't. Radar. It wasn't. And they're both films that are being filmed in Toronto. Yep. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. So I kind of feel like they're they're just like saying, you know what, this isn't this is a cheap and easy way to just kind of let buzz build up about a film. And so you're definitely you're getting a ton of buzz about Shazam. And because not just like the set photos that have kind of leaked out or just been put up on the internet. I mean, we've gotten a lot of people talking. Uh, you've also got the cast, which are being very active and posting some things on, you know, Instagram. I mean, you primarily see most of the the Shazam family on Instagram posting things almost daily. Uh, not necessarily things about like the film itself, but like, you know, just hanging out together, having a good time. It was just, it's very reminiscent of what we got with Suicide Squad. Yeah. Well, and then we got a, we, and then I, I saw something where someone was talking about how, well, Juan is like just keeping a lockdown on Aquaman. Really, you know, he really wants to control the information that comes out. He wants to let do this. And James Wan actually like liked that. Like if if we're if we're playing the if we're playing the Twitter sleuth game, yeah, yeah. But uh, so apparently, even James Wan is recognizing that he's got a lockdown Aquaman, and he's going to start releasing that stuff, you know, as he wants. I'm still crossing my fingers that I'm going to see an Aquaman trailer in front of Ready Player One next week. Oh, wouldn't that be so, nice? Yeah. Oh, it would be very nice. So you know, that's that is interesting. But you know, it was it was, but the Shazam stuff just kept on rolling uh, this week. I mean, we got a logo. Which looks great. Yeah, it really does. It really does. I like it a lot. Um, you know, it's Shaz- I, I, it's Shazam. It's got the exclamation point on the end. Yeah, it's got the lightning bolt. It was really funny because apparently it's based off of a design that Sandberg himself came up with. Yeah, the Shablam. <laughs> his, his the Shablam that's been his Twitter banner for you know a while. Like someone noticed this, and then David Sandberg quoted the tweet and said, and basically owned up to it that it was for. For a presentation he did, and then he didn't realize that they were basing the official logo on that. So even Sandberg was like, "Yeah, kind of wasn't expecting this." Yeah, no, it, it looks it looks pretty good. I and uh, something that didn't occur to me is actually the way they kind of balance it out. They put the Z right over the lightning bolt. It looks really good. It looks really good. I can see that being kind of part of the marketing materials. Yeah. 
Well, and we got this logo revealed because Entertainment Weekly was doing like a Facebook live stream, and um, I didn't get to watch it. Did you? I did. I did watch it. It was only like 10 minutes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it, it, so basically the focus of it was he had Zachary Levi and Asher Angel. Basically, most of the time was just the two of them together, and they started kind of answering some questions, and they were taking different things from, uh, you know, fans had like presented questions based on, you know, saying, hey, this this little questionnaire thing is going to come out, you know, post your questions. And so they narrowed it down to like, I don't know, maybe about 10 different questions. And so it was it was kind of fun seeing those two together because we haven't really seen them together in video so much. I mean, there's been a couple things, but like it was fun, kind of fun seeing their interaction, which we'll probably actually won't see in the film <laughs> itself. Because they kind of can't be at the same place at the right. same time. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, both the characters, both those guys have a lot of charisma and you could see why they picked Asher Angel for this role because he's got a built-in fan base from uh, what is it Andy Mack is his uh, the one show he does on the Disney Channel so uh, just got a ton of fans and they just they were having a lot of fun answering the questions and we actually got to see uh, the rest of the cast at the tail end and so the rest of the Shazam family actually jump in there and uh, so you can just tell they're having a ton of fun yeah apparently talked a lot about you know sort of the representation of foster kids in the movie yeah yeah that was real kind of important uh, what's thing what's kind of funny is they were actually filming it on apparently uh, a set piece and it looks like a little bit of a carnival and because uh, you see a bunch of like stuffed animals in the back and of course they have a, a bunch of stuffed tigers which if you know Shazam that's that's important that's important to his character yes <laughs> and what's kind of funny is like so like when I was kind of scanning the news this week uh, I was thinking after I'd seen this video that like it was a, a you know that looked like they're at a carnival of some sort and then I saw a little piece in the news about how Captain Marvel is filming a uh, some kind of carnival scene in LA. I'm like, LA, well, that's odd. They're in Toronto. Why? That doesn't seem right. And then I realized they were actually talking about the Carol Danvers, <laughs> Captain Marvel. Oh, that Captain Marvel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that, um, that was kind of funny. I love how they're, they've kind of coined uh, it's the Shazamly. Yeah. Instead of the Shazam family. I like that. You know? Yeah, so that's, that's a, that's a Zachary fun. Levi thing. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Uh, what, so what are these Sandberg notes from Instagram? I mean, he's got the first one that's like, to Mr. Sandberg, thanks for hiring me on this set. This is what I want to do when I grow up from Elliot. Yeah, it sounds like he had some kind of guest, uh, a young kid on the set who wrote a real nice note, you know, to uh, director Sandberg. And uh, so he held it up. And then a short while later, he, he has a second note. It's like on a napkin, a dirty It's napkin. on a very dirty napkin with like pasta and noodles stuck to it. And, and it says, Mr. Sandberg, thank for me play Shazam, love Zach. <laughs> <laughs> and his response was another aww. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. And this is weird. I mean, Shazam now has a website, a Facebook page, a Twitter handle, and an Instagram page. Um, I actually found the Twitter handle this week and followed it. Yeah. And but once again, kind of throughout the conversation, like, man, they they are really pushing it. Probably because they know that this one is going to be a this one's more of a sell than like Aquaman. Because at least you know you got Jason Momoa in Aquaman. You know you've seen Aquaman in Justice League. You know I've I mean my my mother in law wants to see the Aquaman movie just because she's like I want to see Khal Drogo in another movie. <laughs> right. Well, I mean this is clearly you know DC films. This is going to be your family friendly film. I mean. Let's Yes. Let's be clear. I mean, so 
you know, they're basically pulling out all the stops on his thing, trying to get as much buzz going ahead of this as possible. And I mean, it's still, we're still way out in advance of where this film's going to actually debut. But what, what's kind of interesting about this whole deal is that, you know, be, if you kind of compare how they're marketing this film compared to Aquaman, there is a huge difference in approach here. And what's interesting is that they are two different studios, really. You know, even though New Line is owned by Warner Brothers, this is actually, you know, it's still kind of being run differently. And so it's, it really kind of goes back to like, that's their approach with this film is they're, they're going to just get out there as much as possible, as early as possible. Yeah. I also, I also like the uh, Zachary Levi on Twitter, you know, sharing a picture of someone, uh, you know, who worked out with him and, and, and Zachary Levi does a great like gunshot of his arm and Zach going so much padding, hashtag fake news, hashtag fake muscles, hashtag fake weights, hashtag fake chicken and broccoli. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, he had all these people criticizing the, the, oh, there's so much padding on that Shazam costume. And then you look at him and go, mm, a yeah. lot of that is Zach. Yeah. I mean, there's still padding. Even the Henry Cavill seat has padding in it. Batman has padding. They all have yeah, padding. They, they all have padding. <laughs> but they do have to kind of fill it out a little bit. Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, dang. That, he's, he's changed a lot from Chuck. That's all I have to say. <laughs> well, even recently, I mean, he wasn't like, I mean, you know he's been like getting in shape recently for this film anyway. Like this is all kind of like all in preparation for this film of him getting in that much shape. Oh, he's just, he, he, he's, he's, he's dedicated. He's got the part. Yeah. Hey, one thing before we move on, I, I do want to go back to that live stream. And okay. one thing of note, if you want to know what Billy Batson is going to sound like yelling Shazam, they, he actually does it in that film. So if you, okay. you want to see it, yeah, I forgot to mention that at the time. But like, yeah, in the live stream, if you just look for the Entertainment Weekly Shazam live stream, yeah, you get Asher Angel actually screaming out Shazam. And he actually does it with uh, Zachary Levi at the time. But you could see like when the one of the questions was like, hey, can you can you just quote the line or say it? And you could see he was like mentally trying to prepare himself to do it talking about Asher and then he actually does it so you get a little bit of a glimpse of what that's going to be like how was it it was pretty good yeah I mean um, you know it was it, it was hard because Zachary was doing it at the same time but if you just look at uh, how Asher was doing it you know it's just like a kid you know like you'd expect a kid yelling out Shazam so it's it's I'm, I'm kind of hoping like when they do it they actually kind of like add just kind of like a little subtle echo to it just make it just make it booming well that's usually what they do like in the animated versions yeah. is that they always add like a little reverb and stuff because by the time he says it like the magic is already started right oh i'm just i'm just i cannot wait to see how that comes out because you know there's going to be obviously lightning playing into that and you just get i'm just hoping to have like a big booming sound well and i wouldn't be surprised if maybe they do put a little mixture of like maybe even zachary levi saying it like like blending the voices yeah yeah Yeah, blending it together i can see that i can see that yeah i'm surprisingly for a character i really don't care all that much about i'm starting to really get kind of get psyched for this thing now that said guys i'm fully aware that this is not going to be anywhere near the kind of movies that I really, really like, you know, like the the real serious takes on heroes that I've seen, you know, like Batman v Superman, Man of Steel, I would even say Suicide Squad. I mean, this is going to be a completely different film, but I'm nevertheless pretty psyched for it. Well, it's because it's the, because I know what, I know what the movie is trying to be. Yes, exactly. And the, and, and the movie knows what it's trying to be. And, and it's a character that you can get away with that. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, you can get away with anything, but, you know, I'm just saying, like, this is, this is in keeping with the spirit of the character. Yeah. And this is where I want those kind of elements that I don't 
don't want to see in like say Justice League in other movies. Yeah, in other movies. This is I want to see like a, a family friendly, just fun. I want appropriate humor, you know, place appropriately. Uh, that's that's what I want. I want that in this film because I'm looking forward to taking my kids to see this. Okay. Uh, speaking of Suicide Squad too, though, Scott, we just kind of mentioned it. Yeah, I was curious about this. Like I, I've heard of this book, but I don't know anything about this adaptation project. Oh, you haven't read The Boys? I have not read The Boys. Oh my god. Okay. So uh, Karen Fukuhara, who plays Katana in Suicide Squad, she's actually been signed on to be a series regular for Amazon, I guess Amazon Studios. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing it'll be like you know, Amazon Instant Video is what you call it, or whatever. Like, yeah. It's going to be an Amazon show. Okay. Anyway, so she's going to be a series regular on a series called The Boys. And if you've never read The Boys, originated, it actually originated with DC, let me think of what the imprint. It was, it was a DC comic, but it was one of the imprints. And I think it was... Was it not Vertigo? It, no, it was not Vertigo. Uh, I think it was Wildstorm or something like that. But it was, it, it's, it's a very adult oriented take on superheroes. Like it's, it, it definitely crosses a lot of lines that I was not the least bit surprised that DC had finally said, okay, we're not going to publish it anymore, but they allowed, I think it was Dynamite to take it over and uh, continue the series, you know, from DC Comics. You were, and you were correct. It was originally Wildstorm. It was Wildstorm, and, okay. And it was Wildstorm and then moved to Dynamite. Yeah. So I never read all the way beyond, like, say, like, maybe the 20th issue, but I had collected a bunch of them. And it's, uh, <laughs> it is a, it's a very adult-oriented take on superheroes. Yeah. Wildstorm only published the first six issues. Yeah, the first six issues. Yep, that's what I remember. Yes, and, and then Dynamite did um, the rest up through issue 72. Okay, yeah, so it made it up through 72. So it's it's a, it's a, it's a very rough take in just breaking down and deconstructing the idea. Well, it's, it's Garth Ennis. What do yes. you expect? <laughs> but it deconstructs the idea of superheroes and the nobility of superheroes. And so I'm actually really looking forward to this series. And, and I would recommend if, uh, if, if you're open-minded enough about um, seeing that kind of a take on superheroes it's a it's a very interesting read interesting so okay so I'm, I'm looking at the wikipedia so in a world where superheroes exist but they're corrupted by their celebrity status so a superpowered cia squad known informally as the boys is in charge with monitoring the superhero community wow so basically you've got a black ops hit squad to take out to, to basically police superheroes yes <laughs> wow and that's what the series is about it's it's the the, the heroes are like the secondary characters in it right because they're like the perps the, the, yes they are the, wow yeah i this sounds like something i would be really interested in yeah it was it, i'm once i saw this i'm like i need to dig out those issues from my boxes downstairs and and pull the series up and read it again because i just remember being like kind of in awe of it at first but it's it's a it's a hard read honestly there's some really there's some really bad stuff that happens in that series well i'll check it out i mean it's worth you know it's worth a read so um so yeah so apparently it but but this thing it's being the show is being co co created by Eric Kripke who hey the man the man created Supernatural he's got you you have my attention you know it's it's and and also this timeless show that I I've been hearing great things about I just haven't watched it yet yeah but this so this thing's got some pedigree that I've been willing to watch and Amazon's been killing it as far as their original television programming lately like they're they're really making a name for themselves yeah so I, I'll check this out well and also it's going to be directed by Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen, who of course did Preacher. Right. So wow. Yeah. Ooh. Well, that kind of tells you something about the direction that 
it's going to be going. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is going to be them basically allowing them to stretch their legs a little bit. Okay. Well, we will we will see. <laughs> I'll be interested to know when this thing actually like drops on Amazon. Yeah, it would also be interesting too because I mean this is you know Karen Fukuhara. The first time we'd ever seen her was actually in Suicide Squad, and so it'll be interesting to see her like in a in an ongoing role in this series. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, moving on to a little Wonder Woman two rumor news. Uh, Omega Underground is reporting that rumored rumored that Wonder Woman 2 will actually be filming stateside in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. Yeah, so this is a little different than some of the previous rumors we had heard where uh, the idea was that it was going to primarily be filmed over in uh, Leavesden, over in the UK. And so considering what we may or may not know about this film uh, being, you know, so-called like a, a, an 80s... Cold War story. Cold War drama, yeah. Yeah. It also kind of makes sense because we know that, like, say, Steve Trevor, at least the, the way he's depicted in comics today and is also rumored to somehow be involved in this film i and i still don't know how much i really i'm still hoping that's not the case it's it's huge yeah it's a huge you know bag of salt but i i wouldn't be surprised if they didn't find a way to make it happen considering how good of a fit he was you know with i don't want it to happen i just don't want it to happen yeah stay dead stay dead (laughs) so anyway uh but like in in current uh depictions of steve trevor you know he's tied to argus he's tied to you know he's a cia operative so it's like it kind of makes sense that maybe this film might occur somewhere near you know washington dc so yeah it would make sense yep so um i did enjoy gal gadot having a little fun with the latest deadpool 2 trailer <laughs> that dropped this week yeah when when he does the x the x force sign he makes x's and then of course gal says you know dude stole my look and <laughs> yep. then tags ryan reynolds and then ryan reynolds responded by quoting gal gadot's tweet and saying well imitation is the sincerest form of larceny <laughs> yeah. So that was fun. And of course some people had to like, you know, take that a little too seriously and be like, dude, she's making a joke. We all we all know she's making a joke. <laughs> well, he knows she's making a joke too. Yes, exactly. I think that's what matters. Yeah. So uh, continuing on rumored filming locations here, this is from Omega Underground as well. So they're saying that what they're hearing is that Flashpoint uh, will possibly be filming over at the Leavesden studio over in the UK and that if there's any kind of uh, filming in Vancouver, which is where it had previously been rumored to be filming, uh, it would likely be like exterior type shots. So take it for take it for what it's worth. And let's keep this salt truck a trucking along with rumors. Uh, Historic Hollywood's reporting that um, they have learned that the Batman, Matt Reeves' solo film, will not begin production until 2019, and that their commentary was that it would make sense considering that DC Films currently has three films set to shoot this year, with Shazam currently filming, Wonder Woman about to start filming, and uh, that Joker origin story still planning on being filmed so once again salt 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 more salt makes sense putting aside the whole salt thing i mean timing wise i mean that's the timing you would expect anyway i mean i don't exactly. think i don't think it takes it takes any inside information to say that this is if, if this project was going to get going this would be the likely time frame yeah and then um ava duvernay over on instagram uh, uh posted a picture of a page from the new gods number one by jack kirby continuing to uh you know stoke the stoke the story about her directing the new gods movie yeah which i actually want to take a second here because i'm not sure about you tim but i have been between listening to some of our podcasting friends who are not that familiar with the new gods and uh uh, just listeners like i've been actually asked a lot about what should i read if i want to learn about the new gods have have you been approached with a lot of questions like that yeah i've got not not a lot i mean i think i had one or two uh that somebody had mentioned something and i just always 
go back to like go back to the original New Gods series. Yeah, which once again, uh, the the there was a four there was a four volume trade paperback. It was hardcover and there was trade paperback that's actually out of print now. So really, the only way to get the original Jack Kirby currently is the hardcover omnibus that is available. I know it's pricey, but I think it's worth it. And there's actually some book. There's actually like a later Jack Kirby work that's only available in that hardcover that was not available in the original four volume Fourth World omnibus. But I'd recommend that. Um, I'd recommend the Great Darkness Saga with Legion of Superheroes. That now that I'm surprised you reckon it. I mean, in terms of like the Fourth World mythology, I mean, it, it obviously does continue to play on it, but like that's not the core story. Oh, well, I wasn't talking about the core, but it, it definitely, in my opinion, it introduces a characterization of Darkseid that we're more familiar with. Yeah. Okay. I, I feel like Paul Levitt's really kind of set the bar for how Darkseid was going to be treated in the more modern era as opposed to the way Jack Kirby, you know, depicted him in the Fourth World Omnibus. I would say that is true. That is definitely true. I put that in there. Uh, I would mention Legends by uh, Ostrander and Byrne. I think that's an important one. Uh, I would definitely say Cosmic Odyssey by Jim Starlin. It's such a good series. There's a book Ray actually has read and loves, so I put that out there. I would recommend um, continuing on the Starlin. I mean, you got Death of the New Gods that led into Final Crisis with by Grant Morrison. And then, of course, if you want to go a little more modern, you know, you've got basically the beginning and the end of Jeff John's New 52 Justice League run. You've got Origin in issue one through six, and then you have the Dark Side War in issues 40 through 50. Yeah. So I think, I think, I, I think you know, if you just want some highlights, those are some pretty good places to go if you want to read some Dark Side or New Gods material. Yep. No, I think that's a good list. That's definitely a good list. So you have you started digging back into it? I am going, my goal is this summer, I'm going to take that, I'm going to take that Jack Kirby fourth world omnibus cover to cover. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go through my four hardbacks as well. Yeah. Um, and then I want to hit Cosmic Odyssey after that. Like my, my true goal is to knock out the Jack Kirby omnibus and uh, Cosmic Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, I was very surprised when my Twitter for notification came up on this today uh, because I still have David Ayer on Twitter notifications. <laughs> I did too. I got the same thing. <laughs> and I was like, what is this about? And then I opened it and I was like, so, uh, Nikki at Bruce Bruce's Joker on Twitter had some pictures of like the the burnt scarred face Joker that we always saw from trailers for Suicide Squad, but then never showed up in any version of the movie. And Nikki just said, "I'm still waiting for an explanation." Didn't look like, it didn't look like she tagged David Ayer or anything, but David Ayer saw this and quoted it, and then finally gave us the version of the story that involved the Joker. Yeah, this was interesting, and I thought it was very interesting. David Ayer wrote, After Joker dropped Harley Quinn from the Hilo and crashed, Enchantress made a deal with him. He was going to take Harley home and be, quote, King of Gotham. Harley stood up to him and refused to betray her new friends. The squad turned on him and he escaped. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that looks like the story that that we kind of expected. Uh, it's, it's great to get kind of confirmation on it. But like, those are some new details that we didn't really have any insight to. Yeah. And then someone was replying to David Ayer and said, Honestly, David, if you made the movie about Harley going from being Joker's abused pet to breaking free of him, learning to love her new friends in the Suicide Squad, that would have made the movie and her arc way better. And David said that was her arc. Yep. Growth and empowerment, which I think goes back to those freaking test screenings that I like to growl about. <laughs> uh, you know, when the depiction of Joker and Harley's relationship was supposed to be more abusive. Right. So that, like, that scene with Joker at the end was supposed to be the payoff of her finally saying, screw you, I have friends now. 
now. Yeah. And and, and breaking away from the Joker. So yeah. reshoots. Yeah. <laughs> when I saw the first uh, tweet from David Ayer, I, I, of course, retweeted it and with a sarcastic uh, release the air cut. <laughs> and uh, But I, I don't know if uh, if it was completely clear I was being sarcastic on that. Because, I mean, we even had, you know, David Ayer, when he had talked about this thing, that uh, he had just kind of denied that there was any other cut of the film and that the film that he actually released was his cut. Now, that said, it was his cut uh, with concessions that he had agreed to make, you know, after that first screening. And so the reworking of the story, that was, you know, that was accepted and done by David Ayer. And he had released his cut of what of where they decided that film was going to eventually land. Right. You know, it was his cut in that he was there along the way participating in the request from the studio to to make changes. Yeah. So now that said, there, you know, there obviously was more stuff filmed. And I and I still kind of stay hopeful that someday we'll we'll get like a, a fuller. Um, I wouldn't say cut of that, but maybe because uh, we you know we had or what, 10 minute longer extended cut. Yeah, the extended the cut was. The, but that was all basically stuff in the middle. It was all stuff in the middle. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad. Once again, go back to our, you know, our brief discussion about that. I, I'm happy. That, like, that's still the version of the movie that I watch. Yeah. Because I love all that extra character stuff that's thrown in the middle. I felt like it really helped. Yeah. The second act is still the strongest part of that movie for me. And that additional minutes just made the second act even stronger than it already was. Yeah. I, I like both the first and second act quite a bit in that film. The third act, as we all agree, is 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 where that film struggled. And even David Ayer had said that was his biggest regret in choosing Enchantress as the primary uh, antagonist. Antagonist, right. But this this whole this whole Joker thing would have been really, I don't know. I, I would like to think that this would have added something. I don't know if it would have or not, but it would have been nice to have seen Joker come back. Yeah. It, it also bugged me watching the movie going, where's this scene? Kind of the same thing with Justice League. <laughs> right. Which is like, please stop putting stuff in the trailer that does not actually end up being in the movie because you're just shooting yourselves in the foot. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know that we'll, we'll ever get a an alternative cut of the film, but I wouldn't be surprised if we don't get those scenes added in to like some ultimate cut or something at some point. I kind of feel like, you know, when you talk about like home sales, I mean, there's an appetite for it. And as soon as you get enough, you know, of a of a built up fan base that's not divided. I mean, y- if you put out an alternative cut, you're going to get a lot of people that are going to want to buy it. I'll buy it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Especially if it doesn't cost uh, them a lot to produce it. Exactly. Well, and then one last thing, David Ayer also talked about uh, how much time he had to spend on writing the film. And so there's always been a lot of misinformation about this. Uh, and most recently, which I haven't really heard this so much, but like there's been word going around that he only had like three weeks to write the script. Yeah, I always heard he had like six months. I was, I'd always heard like, no, I'd always heard like six weeks. Six weeks. Was yeah, like, no, that yeah. was, the, it was six something. Yeah. It was six something. Yeah. And uh, somebody had had responded to David's original tweet where he said, you know, the hardest part of writing is writing. It's also the most personal step of the film making project. Your words, your thoughts, the struggle to fill the page. He said, my first script was written on an electric typewriter. And so he was just talking about writing in general. Yeah, because I saw I saw this like on Friday. Yeah. When he was just when he was just talking about writing in general. Yeah. So a fan had responded. He goes, it would be very cool if you told us how hard it was to write Suicide Squad in three weeks. And he responded back and he said, I spent a heck of a lot more time on it than that. There's an outlining process. I wrote the first draft. There were several major, major rewrites after that, plus continually rewritten pages as we designed the film, not to mention adding humor lines during shooting. It's endless. So the the whole idea that, you know, this was all written in six weeks and he was done. I mean, he just debunks that right there. Well, that's just not how movies work. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 there's a reason that scripts have different color pages. Right. <laughs> because each, col- each color represents whichever draft or whichever edition that has been. I still say that one of the funniest movies to watch about that process is 
is a um, there's a David Mamet movie called State in Maine, and they they talk about do you have the right version of the script? Like there's a whole thing where they talk about the version of the script and like which color you have. It's and a very it's, David Mamet thing. <laughs> it's a very David Mamet thing, and it's really hilarious. But that's what Mamet does sometimes. Like he like peeks open the you know he's, he like opens the curtain a little bit and right. goes hey, c- c- come inside, see what this is like. Ugh. Um, I guess we could quickly hit a little bit of TV, like a little bullet time, you know, TV news at the end. Um, the news was announced this week that if Legends of Tomorrow gets an announced fourth season, that Matt Ryan's John Constantine has been promoted to, to a series regular. Which, hey, considering that the, con- the the first Constantine episode that he appeared in has been like my my, my favorite episode of this whole show. Um, and that's amazing coming from you, you know, being such an avid fan. Shut up. You know what? Stop it. That needs to die. That needs to <laughs> die a terrible, awful death. Um, but it was a good episode. They didn't screw up Constantine. That means a lot. Um, and I just found out today that that animated CW Seed show of Constantine has finally dropped. So I need to get on that and watch that. So Because I've already got Stu Little and Brent asking me to help confirm whether the CW animated is in continuity with the NBC show. And I have to go and watch that and make a and, and, and rule and, 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 issue my, and issue my decision from the bench on what <laughs> I think about that. Can't wait to hear that one. Oh, and I still haven't watched the first episode of Krypton. I need to get on that. I watched like the first 10 minutes. I was trying to convince Jamie to watch it with me tonight and uh, she just wasn't in the mood to watch it. So I, I was hoping to like get it in before we recorded, but it just didn't happen. But I liked the first 10 minutes of what I saw, but I saw a lot of positive reactions and I saw a bunch were like, kind of like, eh. So it, this is one of those things where I need to kind of make up my own opinion on exactly. it. Exactly. Because when you see you, I was just seeing reactions like all across the board from, I mean, there were people who hated it. There were people who loved it. There were people who liked it and there were people who were mad. I mean, it wasn't one of those things where, like, everyone was, like, in one camp or the other. Like, literally, people were all over the place. So, like you, I just need to watch it and see what I think. Well, and, like, with all pilots, you always have to give a show another, you know, another episode beyond a pilot. Because pilots are just so weird. Because they have to do so much in a pilot. They have to try to... Because, you got to remember, the purpose of the pilot, generally, is not to really to kind of launch into the the show and the universe, what they're trying to create. It's to sell the show. It's to sell the show to producers and to studios. That's what the purpose is. And and quite often, you know, the the sets are not fully worked out. Uh, the actor, you know, it's 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 just such a rough process. Pilots always feel weird compared to the rest yes, of the series. And they never look like the rest of the show. Yeah. Sometimes they do. Very rare. Like those are the rare exceptions. Battlestar Galactica. Well, that wasn't a yeah, pilot. Battlestar though. Galactica. But of course they had the mini series. They did. Basically yeah. the mini series was the pilot. Right. Yeah. Let's let's be honest. But even the mini series was was very much like the rest of the uh, like they they kept whatever they had created in that miniseries the set wise like they use that throughout yes that is that is very true um so concerning that we postponed that we postponed the show to get WonderCon news that never really developed which you gave ray and brent all kinds of crap about so like i'm really of looking, course i did I, well i'm very happy about that because now i get to get the rundown from you on you know what happened at WonderCon. <laughs> Well, you sent me a little bit about the fact that it has been announced that Frank Miller has signed a five-project deal with DC Comics. Uh, Say what you will. It is no stranger. It, it is not unknown to people who listen to this show that I love Frank Miller. So I'm looking forward to this. Uh, we already knew about Superman Year One because that's being done with the uh, the Black Label imprint. And then they announced that there is going to be a Carrie Kelly project. Uh, Frank Miller writing, not doing the art. Uh, the art concept they are they 
showed was really interesting. I'm I'm very interested in this book. And then the other three projects are unnamed at this time, so who knows? Uh, and then there was a lot more in- a lot more uh, information given out about Scott Snyder taking over Justice League, and you know because he's got his No Justice event coming up, and then at following No Justice, they're gonna launch three Justice League series. There's gonna be the main Justice League book that Snyder will be writing that has a team up lineup that's a lot like the animated series. There's Justice League Dark that's going to be sort of led by Wonder Woman and it's going to have like Zatanna and Detective Chimp. That and one's interesting to me. That one's I think James Tinney in the fourth is writing that one. Yeah, I like his work. And, uh, I'm I'm hit or miss on his work. I've liked some of his work and I haven't liked others. So I'm just happy to have another Justice League Dark book back. So I'll, I'll see how that goes. And then there's this other one that's like Justice League Odyssey that like features Cyborg and Starfire and uh, Jessica Cruz, Green Lantern, and someone who looks like Darkseid. And I'm just very interested. Like, this whole idea, I feel like it's been weird because, like, after the Jeff Johns run of New 52 Justice League, which, along with Scott Snyder's Batman, was, like, the most consistently good from issue 1 to issue 50 or 51 or, you know, of, of the New 52, it's been kind of disappointing that in Rebirth, like, the Justice League book has not been a strong book. And, and Christian Jordan will attest to this. So it's going to be really interesting to have Scott Snyder writing that book because I'm also a Scott Snyder fanboy. So I'm, I'm interested to see how they're kind of bringing Justice League back uh, following, you know, what this is apparently it's all spinning out of metal and what Snyder's going to do with No Justice, which just proves the point that I need to freaking go back and read metal. <laughs> well, when I so I don't I haven't read whatever information is out there about this Justice League Odyssey, but it really made me think of Cosmic Odyssey and the idea that this is going to be like a kind of a spacefaring Justice League of some sort. And it really yeah, made that's me think, what it looks like to me. Yeah. yeah, and it really made me think that this is going to interact pretty heavily with the fourth world. Yeah, I hope so. Well, because, I mean, especially if we know, you know, Ava DuVernay's uh, fourth world movie, New Gods, is going to, uh, is actually in development, pre-development right now. So, like, it seems like, you know, they're all well aware of what the long-term plans are for all these properties. So it's like, it would only make sense that they would start to kind of bring that to the forefront. Yeah. And the, uh, the, the, the Scott Snyder Justice League book apparently is going to feature the Legion of Doom and apparently is going to have very much the spirit of like Justice League Unlimited involved in it, which... I'm not surprised because if you go back and read Scott Snyder's Batman run, there is so much a spirit of Batman, the animated series. He would incorporate elements from the animated series, even to the point that by in-game, he was incorporating elements of Batman Beyond into the series. So you could tell that Scott Snyder has a love for the the, the, the Bruce, Tim, Paul Dini-verse of the DC, and he is he takes elements of that and incorporates it into his work. So I'm 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 digging the idea of Scott Snyder writing a Justice League book. So I'm looking forward to all this. That's awesome. All right. Well, I think uh, I think it's enough for today, don't you think, Scott? We kind of covered quite so. a bit. We covered some comic news, some TV news, movie news, past and present. <laughs> it always happens the the day before we record is when we get some stuff. Yeah. So I'm glad we kind of postponed us a day. We got to talk a little bit about some of the David Ayer stuff. Yeah. Exactly. So that's going to be it. Thank you so much. As always, we love to hear from you. So reach 
out to us. You can you can hit us up on Twitter at Suicide Squadcast. You can also find us uh, find me at Scott DC twenty seven. Yep, and then on Twitter you can find me at Alan Fire, and of course you can always email us at Suicide Squadcast at gmail I think we should also mention that we're on Vero. So if yes. you, if you are someone who's on Vero, you know you can you know contact us, and we'd be glad to help you find us on Vero as well. So All right. we're having fun over there. Yes, definitely. And uh, you could also find us on our webpage at www.suicidesquadcast.com. Uh, we have a small presence on Facebook. Sorry, Scott. And it, it is pretty small. It is pretty small. I we don't do a whole lot there. We put, we basically just kind of post our links. Yeah, that's about it. Uh, and then uh, don't forget that if you can help us and you maybe like to get a little extra content for your trouble, you can go over to www.patreon.com/squadcastmedia. And if you could support us a dollar, five dollars, whatever you can a month, that would be great. And we would be happy to you know, share some B-roll, some additional commentary. Uh, I believe, if I can tease it, that you're trying to get Ray in for a Wrinkle in Time review. Yeah. That'd be something different. A Selma, Wrinkle in Time, the 13th. I'd like to just kind of talk a little bit about Ava DuVernay. Awesome. All right. Um, and hopefully next week, I want to try to maybe work in a little Ready Player One action, depending on if anyone in the network actually goes and sees the movie. Oh, okay. I'll be there. <laughs> Very good. Well, you could always do a solo talk, you know. It doesn't, you, don't, you don't have to bounce off somebody. Ah, oh, it's so much better that way. Oh, well. <laughs> that is true. We need we need someone to keep you in check. That's for sure. <laughs> Bullcrap. Uh, well, that that's it for this week's episode before Tim says anything else that's ridiculous. And uh, to all of our <laughs> listeners, Tim, what do we want to tell them? Guys, go out and keep reading some DC and read some Fourth World while you're at it. See you guys. Bye. No, Scott, this shade against Fans Without Borders just simply cannot continue. You know, I'm sitting here, my face is literally the size of a basketball right now. I've got stitches all on the inside of my mouth. I'm not able to move my mouth very much at all. The the whole reason that we recorded our episodes early this week is because of the major oral surgery that I had yesterday uh, to remove my wisdom teeth. And I should be resting right now. I absolutely should be following my doctor's orders and resting comfortably. Uh, But I decided to interrupt my rest, ignore my doctor's orders, and also temporarily interrupt my current watching of Blade Runner 2049, just so that I could tell you that we hold our listeners with the utmost regard, and we recorded our episode early to make certain that they were not denied just because I decided to have a silly little procedure like have my wisdom teeth taken out for the betterment of my physical health as a human being on this planet. I'm sorry, Scott, but this shade against fans without borders cannot be tolerated any further. So, this is for you. Shh, stop. Sorry. Was that your cat? My cat's scratch. She's been scratching on the wood trim lately. I don't know what the f*** going on with her. (laughs) It's, she never ever did that. Now all of a sudden she's like doing it all the time.